The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. That means you have to be a consenting adult to listen. Thanks for that. And here we go. I am enormous, get used to it Everyone tells me I'm too much Maybe it's just you're not enough for me Can't you see, I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delator, and this week we have a story from event producer and award-winning storyteller Janelle Codiani. Before I go any further, I want to make an important announcement. It's one of those good news, bad news things. The good news is our very next show is going to be this Saturday night, July 17th. It's at the Courtyard Cabaret in San Francisco, and it's a hybrid show which means you can attend live or you can watch the live stream of the live show. This show is going to feature Meg Elison, Reed Mahalko, a lot of bootay, CJ, music by Rachel Lark, and it's a beautiful venue. This Saturday night, tickets are still available. Be there in person if you possibly can, because here comes the bad news. I just found out that our venue has canceled on us for August. And that means this show, this Saturday night, is our last scheduled live show. I'm going to start looking for a venue, but I don't know what's going to happen. So that means Saturday, July 17th, is our last scheduled live show. No August show is scheduled. No fall shows are scheduled. So yeah. Be there in person if you can. If you can't be there in person, make sure that you buy a ticket to the live stream. A link to ticket sales are in the show notes for this episode. Spread the word, okay? Let's pack the house because this is it. And it's an outdoor show. It was amazing how everyone was fully vaccinated at our last show. It felt incredibly safe, even though it sold out. So help me sell this show out, y'all. I love live shows. I don't know what's coming next. I'm so excited about this one. And best of all, one of my favorite things to do is I love nerd-related stories. I love to listen to nerds just go to that place and tell us all the weird, quirky little details that only their brains can capture. This show is themed science friction. Saturday, July 17th, I hope to see you there. Do you value sex positivity and want to share your desires and interests directly on your dating profile? Then check out the Field app. Field is the alternative dating app for couples and singles. Field has two features that really make it stand out. Paired profiles. 
With paired profiles, you and your partner each maintain your own account on your own device, but link them together to show the field community that you're a couple. And virtual core. Field cores are areas with high concentrations of members. Now they're also virtual locations where you can connect with humans from around the globe. If you live in a place where the app is still growing, or you simply want to visit other cities and meet the local humans on field without traveling, you can teleport to one of the field cores. The app is inclusive to all, no matter your gender or orientation. When you join, you can choose to identify as over 20 plus genders and sexualities. Field was recently reviewed in Vanity Fair, who said, I Googled and discovered Field, an app where the sexually adventurous can go to find one another. I appreciated the novelty and suspected I had found a hidden gem. It dawned on me that the common thread of the community was not a certain kink or favorite sexual position. It was the commitment to embracing one's own nonconformity, the celebration of individualism and sexuality without shame. It was refreshing to be on a platform where radical open-mindedness was the baseline. And here's some great news. You can download the Field app for free and support the Body Storytelling Podcast by using the link in this episode's description. Spoiler alert, it's Dixie 50. If you're looking to celebrate individualism and sexuality without shame, Field is a fun, easy way to explore. So if you're ready to make your dreams come true, give Field a try. And be sure to let them know that I sent you by using the code Dixie 50. I hope to see you on Field. Welcome to today's episode of Lube Facts with Dixie, brought to you by Uberlube. Did you know that way back in 1899, an English chemist named Frederick Kipping discovered a special polymer called silicone? And ta-da! Our lives were changed forever with the advent of silicone-based lube. Yep, Fred Kipping worked incredibly long and hard so that you could experience long-lasting sessions in the sack. And you know who improved on Fred's invention? Uberlube. It's a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant, silicone with just a touch of vitamin E. It's made with body-friendly ingredients, and it's for everyone. And those silicone lube stains from back in 1899 are a thing of the past, because Uberlube won't stain clothing or bedding, and any spills can be easily cleaned with detergent and water. I love Uberlube, and everyone I've introduced to Uberlube has raved about it. So what are you waiting for? Well, here's a little more incentive. Right now, they're offering Body Storytelling listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use the code D-I-X-I-E at uberlube.com. Did I mention the sexy glass bottle it comes in? It dresses up your bedside table. And the lube inside offers the long-lasting performance you want, then dissipates without leaving a sticky residue. Remember, you get 10% off and free shipping when you use the code Dixie at uberlube.com. This has been Lube Facts with Dixie, brought to you by Uberlube. I have a really beautiful story for you this week. I'm so excited to share this from a recent live stream. Let me tell you about this week's storyteller. Janelle Codiani is an award-winning storyteller, writer, event producer, and executive director of a small visual and performing arts center, and occasional handywoman for her small business, High Maintenance. She first learned how to multitask as a studio for interrelated media student at the Massachusetts College of Art and Design, where she earned her BFA in production and performance. 
Janelle has a passion for truth-telling, creating opportunities for empowerment, and the labor of building space, both physical and emotional, for people to come together. This storyteller is Janelle Codiani. So I wanted the text to sound business-like. Hi, I have a question. I know I said I just wanted to talk, but instead, do you think you could help me have an orgasm? I had been seeing him off and on for about a year, and I hadn't quite asked for anything like this. Actually, he hadn't touched my pussy yet. And initially, when I made this appointment with my sex worker, I had just wanted to talk and say goodbye before he left on sabbatical. But the weeks preceding, I had met some new attentive lovers, and I was unable to get off with them. And I thought that this would be my last chance to fix it. I'll explain how I got here. Um, I had been married for 10 years, and my husband and I had really different sexual goals. I was looking for erotic, pleasure-filled, soul-level transformation fueled by endless confrontations with the self resulting in compounding ecstasy. And he was looking for no-frills orgasms, frequently, primarily his own. I loved him, and I did my best to fulfill his desires in the hopes that someday he would reciprocate. But even when I asked him for simple things like to go slow or to stop, he would turn his heavily tattooed back on me and sulk under the covers or lumber across the hall into the bathroom where he'd jerk off while I cried in the bedroom thinking I had failed him again. I was having orgasms, holding a vibrator to my clit while he diligently fucked me from behind, making a whole show out of waiting to finish until I had taken care of myself, asking repeatedly, did you go? When we finally got divorced, I was thoroughly convinced that my desires were really extra chores that nobody would put up with, and I'd learned to expect punishment for asking. But I was finally single, so I got out there, and occasionally a partner would ask what I wanted, and I found that I would kind of avoid the subject or say that what I wanted was their pleasure, which was true. I have a thing for being like a pleasure maker. But on one date, I was slowly assaulted. And as I watched my body shut down and I found myself unable to say, stop, wait, don't come in my mouth. I realized that not being able to ask for what I wanted was dangerous. But I didn't actually know what I wanted because I'd never focused on that. But I figured, how hard can it be? You know, I know the drill. Candles, oils, blankets. Night after night, I would attempt to connect to my body, running my fingers over and into myself, searching for any kind of pleasure, finding myself unable, spiraling down a rabbit hole of what's wrong with me, worried I was permanently broken. And I'll tell you, there's only so many times you can sob yourself to sleep with your fingers in your vagina before you admit that you need help. I didn't want to explore this with casual partners. It was too vulnerable. And I wasn't ready for love or commitment. And I wanted this reclamation of my body to belong only to me. 
I didn't know anything about sex work, but I had listened to this podcast a bunch of years ago about this woman from LA who was something called a sexological body worker. It's like massage and Reiki and your genitals. I looked it up and there is one in Puritan, New England, about four hours away. I explained my predicament over the phone and I ended the conversation by telling him apologetically, I can't seem to do it by myself. I was embarrassed that I was essentially hiring a spotter to guide me through pleasure. But he said, matter of factly, I can't do it alone. We made an initial appointment to meet at a coffee shop. And on the long drive up there, I like chewed my fingernails down to stumps. And I walked into this bright coffee shop and saw people on their computers <laughs> drinking their lattes at tables that looked like they were made out of old barns. And I saw Marty in the corner, smiling warmly. He looked like he was about in his late 40s, early 50s. He had a full head of dark hair and a crisp button-up shirt. I sighed in relief and walked over to this handsome art history professor who has a side gig as a sex worker. So he explained how this works. And essentially, it's one-way touch. He would stay clothed. I could get as naked as I wanted. He would use his hands or toys on me. Um, there was no kissing, no oral sex. And I wasn't allowed to touch him beyond like placing my hand on his. Is this legal? I asked. Oh, no, not at all, he said. So I went to his house for the first appointment. And uh, he welcomed me into his kitchen. And he asked me if I wanted tea. And as the kettle came to a boil, I looked around his kitchen and I, it looked like he cooked, you know, like his utensils and his knives were all very specific and organized. And as I put my ginger tea bag into the empty cup in front of me, being super casual and normal, um, <laughs> I wondered who he cooks for and if this tea was going to make my stomach grumble. He brought me into this sunny yellow room at the front of the house and the curtains were this gray brown that diffused the light and there was a little couch in the corner and books on massage and anatomy, oils and lotions, crock pot of warm towels and a vase of feathers. It looked like every other massage room I'd ever been in. And he gestured to two cushions on the floor and we sat down in front of one another, and I involuntarily scooted myself back about a foot and a half immediately and wove all my limbs together in front of me, um, protecting myself like a fortress. He noticed, but didn't say anything. And we decided that what would happen is I would need to ask for what I wanted. And if I stopped responding or stopped breathing, he would just pause and wait for me to come back. I said that sounded great and proceeded to chat nervously for a really long time. <laughs> After an hour, he asked me if I wanted to do anything physical in this session. I froze. He offered, why not just start with asking me to hold your hand? Suddenly, the space between us seemed to stretch on for miles. The sensation receded from my fingertips, my throat got dry, my heart began to race, and I could hear the simple ask knocking and ping-ponging around in my skull, but I couldn't rattle the words out of my mouth. 
and watching myself freeze in terror the enormity of the abuse and fear and rejection I'd suffered in my marriage came crashing down around me. I started to sob, and he sat there patiently and watched me for two excruciating hours. Finally, motivated by a desire not to waste my money, I managed to press the words through the gaps in my teeth and stretched my hand into the empty space between us. His was softer than I had imagined, and he held mine while I cried for the rest of the session. On the way home, I stopped at a small beach town that was still boarded up from the winter. It was gray and drizzly, and I walked down to the beach and laid in the sand and prayed the wind would just cover me. Three hours for hand-holding? This was going to take a million dollars and a thousand years to get me out from underneath all of this fear. The second session was the same as the first, and he said, Janelle, you, you have to ask for what you want. People want to know. They really don't, Marty, I said. That had been none of my experience. No one you will ever be with again won't want to know, he said. And his words hung in the air like an invocation, and I tried to believe him and asked him to hold my hand. By the third session, I showed up in a special shirt that was soft and loose, and I asked him, I'm going to take my bra off, and I just want you to touch me softly over this shirt. I braced myself for scorn, expecting him to tell me that usually people want something a little more adventurous for their money. But he just said, that's fine. Like, it's a perfectly normal thing to ask for. I laid on my back and felt him touch me softly over this shirt, and tears slid down my cheeks. I was humiliated to want something so basic, but it felt incredible to be touched so gently. The next session, I showed up with a robe bundled in my arms. So I'm going to take my clothes off, and I'm going to put this robe on, and then what I'd like for you to do is, will you sit on the floor, and I'll just, I'll sit in front of you and kind of lean back, and you can put your arms around me like in a circle. I didn't even realize. I was just asking to be held. I sat in front of him and leaned my head on his shoulder, and he touched me softly over my robe, and... At the moment I began to enjoy myself, I blurted out, is it boring? He paused and said, oh, nothing about this is boring. How's jerk-off school going? A friend of mine asked. It was exhausting, I told them, you know, but I was determined. I was in training, you know, but instead of like running upstairs in gray sweats, my montage was oils and blankets and naked sobbing. By the last session, I had managed to ask for a full body massage. I was completely naked on the massage table. He was touching me over a blanket. I fucking love blankets. And by the end of the session, I I rolled myself onto my side and I, I let out a frustrated sigh. He pulled up a yoga ball and sat in front of me. I'm disappointed, I told him. You know... I thought that like once I got through all these big fears and hangups, what I would get would be this like dangerous, sultry sexuality. My sexuality is like slow and silly. It's awkward and playful. It's like innocent 
I finished, disgusted. There is a lot of innocence here, he said. Well, it's not what I wanted. No one will do this with me. People want this, Janelle, he said. But it wasn't what I wanted, you know? I had, I had done my work. I had literally done homework and journaled about it in a shared Google Doc that he read to keep track of my progress. This dude had read about me like blowing dildos by myself and fingering my ass. And I had showed up at these appointments and cried through a bunch of bullshit fears. I had spent a considerable amount of resources and what I thought I would get was like cool girl sexuality, you know? I thought I would uncover desires that were easy to meet and that had like a wide appeal. But even though I didn't believe him that anyone would do this with me, it didn't occur to me to change because I had made a promise to my body to respect its desires even if I thought they were basic, unsexy nails in the coffin of loneliness. But in the months after that last session, I had showed up with my needs and asked people for what I wanted. I was slow and awkward and I asked partners how they like to be touched and I watched the way questions like that will break the space between two people or more wide open. But I hadn't gotten off and I was getting super frustrated. And this is where I was when I pulled my car into the long narrow driveway past the late summer garden for my orgasm intervention goodbye meeting. He brought me into his house. He was tan from the summer. He made me tea and we went into the front room where the massage table was already set up. We talked for a little bit and after a while, he asked if I was ready to get on the table. I got undressed, and laid down. He moved a blanket over me, pulled my hair, massaged my thighs. He remembered everything that I liked. And I was still supposed to be leading this, but when time stretched on, he asked if I was ready to have my pussy touched. And when I said yes, he got up on the table, I put my legs over his thighs, and I was instantly aware that he could see all of me. And I worried that my face would look ugly in my arousal, that my tits would be flat, that my pussy wouldn't be wet enough, that I wouldn't respond fast enough, and as always, that it would be boring. He touched me softly asked me again if I was ready. And when I said yes, he gently touched my pussy with his fingertips. I closed my eyes. When I asked him to put one finger inside me, I pulled a blanket over my face. I laid there while he pressed into me and I managed to ask him to speed up, to go slow, to press harder, to use two fingers to move down a teeny tiny bit. And I listened to these long, slow, tonal sounds that began to come seemingly from parts of me I didn't know had sounds to offer. At one point, he pressed up and my entire body rose off the table and he was leaned over so far that my chest almost collided with his head and I put my arms around him and asked if it was okay and he responded yes and his voice was thick and winded and I could feel the warmth of his body and the light sweat he'd worked up kneeling over me and I could feel all of the inside of my body and the whole of the room around me. I could hear the sound of him in my soft, wet pussy. 
and the blanket falling to the floor, and my legs started to shake, and I placed my equally shaking hands on my thighs and involuntarily repeated, what, what, what is that feeling? I started to sob and told him not to stop. He didn't say anything, but he pressed into me, pushing the backs of my thighs with his. I pressed my feet into the table, and I held onto his forearm, feeling his muscles shift beneath his skin. And again, I asked, what is that feeling? And he didn't stop or change his rhythm, but he looked at me and said, it's your pleasure. And it's asking you to let go. And he pressed up and I called out, a wild, laughing, sobbing pleasure into a sunny yellow room in Maine. I don't know what my body did that day. It's done that and other things since. It's things it does now. I never did get the dangerous, sultry sexuality I was hoping I would find once I got rid of all the other parts. I had to let go of the idea that there are parts of me to get rid of. What I have is a sweet thing, a playful and delighted thing, full of in-the-moment dad jokes and sometimes crying. I also got better at choosing partners, and the only time I don't have orgasms during sex is if for some reason I've asked not to because of some weird experiment I'm running. And Marty was right. I was never again with someone who didn't want to know my desires. I book myself tables at all the best restaurants that need a loan. Just so I can drive them real fucking slow I like my own company, company
Good Thing by Zed, featuring Kehlani. I woke up to fan mail this morning, and they said one of the reasons I love the Body Storytelling Podcast is because it makes me believe that the world can be a more sex-positive place, more inclusive, more accepting, more empathetic toward the experiences of others. That's what storytelling does better than anything. And if you want to believe that's the future, help me build that future. I've been doing this almost 15 years. This is my life's work. And the way to make sure that we can do that together is to support me on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash body. Support us at whatever level you can. But at the $10 a month level, you get free live stream tickets like the live show that's happening this week. We're live streaming it. We also have ad-free podcast episodes, story coaching, and the live stream replay. In fact, every live stream I've done so far is available on Patreon. It's an exclusive reward for my Patreon supporters. So go to patreon.com slash body and thanks in advance for your support. Well, that's it for this week. But before I go, I want to say thank you to the team that make this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, Donald Mooney, Joe Moore, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Marty Garcia, and this week, thank you to Bearded Scotsman Audio. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie De La Tour. This has been episode 183 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. See you next week, pervert. <laughs>